Hello, you are listening to the BDO Financial Wellness Podcast, and I'm your host, Tara Bellio. Today, we're going to talk about women and their financial struggles brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Some economists go so far as to label the current recession a she-session, which first I'd like to point out is very hard to say, but it is a nod to the fact that women have taken on a disproportionate financial hit since the pandemic began. A million and a half women in Canada lost their jobs in the first two months of the COVID-19 pandemic. By April of 2020, women's participation in the Canadian workforce dropped to 55%, a low not seen in over 30 years. Women were not only the first to lose jobs because of the pandemic, their financial recovery has been slower than men, and some of their jobs have never returned. I got to sit down with Nancy Snedden and Jennifer McCracken, both licensed insolvency trustees from BDO Debt Solutions, and we had a fascinating conversation about the financial and emotional challenges women have come up against in 2020, and how those challenges have in many ways permanently changed their lives. Welcome. It is so nice to have both of you here. Thank you for joining me today. Back in March... It was pretty clear quickly that the pandemic wasn't only going to be a health crisis, it was also going to be a financial crisis for millions of Canadian households. When you think of it as a country, we've experienced lockdowns, shutdowns, more than one wave, layoffs, lost income, drastic changes in family routines, and so much more. We've all been through it together in one way or another, but in many ways, women have had a different experience than men. That's why we're here talking about this topic today. I read recently that COVID-19 pandemic has thrown the world off balance and women are taking the disproportionate hit. Economists have called it a she-session. And so Nancy, since we have you here with us today, and Jennifer, thank you as well for joining me. Let's start with you. Can you tell us more about what many women have been experiencing since the start of the pandemic? Absolutely. Thanks, Tara. And you're right. As a country, the pandemic has caused a lot of turmoil, both from a health crisis, but also an economic crisis. And there's no doubt that all, you know, ages, males, females, with children, without children, everyone's experiencing some form of uh, anxiety or financial crisis. However, there's no doubt that women are taking the brunt of that. And there's many reasons for that. But we know that 62% of women lost their jobs at the start of the shutdown in February. And now, you know, once the latest stats that came out were September, and we're seeing those numbers as high as 85% that still remain unemployed. Our own Deputy Premier, Christopher Freeland, has indicated that the economic fallout from the pandemic can be described as a she-session. So there's no doubt it exists. I know there may be some skeptics out there, but there's no doubt, I think, that the she-session... See, I can't even say this. She session is real. Uh, among parents with at least one child under the age of six, um, men were roughly more times more likely to have returned to work than women. And StatsCan has also showed that women with children under 18 were also more likely to be working less than half their available hours. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, depending on where you live in the country, more people are willing, uh, more willing than others, I think, to send their kids back to school. So many are still homeschooling. Many daycares are still not operating at full capacities. Um, The nature of the industries that a lot of women work in that have been really effective, like the retail industry, like the restaurant industry, 
these there's more women in those industries predominantly than men. So there's many reasons why we're seeing this the she session, but there's no doubt that it exists. It's such a tongue twister. She session. It's almost it like. Really- <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk more about moms with younger children and the incredible stress of trying to do it all to during this pandemic. I mean, I know I'm one of them. At one point, especially during the lockdown here in Ontario, my husband had to call in my parents because I felt like I was having, I was losing my mind. It felt like he's like, you know, we, we need help because she's losing it because I was trying to work homeschool, you know, do the regular things and having children underfoot all day. I often joke that, you know, when I signed up to be a parent, I did not sign up for this. At four, I was supposed to send him off to school (laughs) for, you know, seven hours a day. And then he'd come back to me all smart and full of knowledge. I wasn't supposed to be the one to be putting, I didn't go to school to be a teacher. So Jennifer, you have children as well. How, how do you, tell me a little bit about how, what you think about what's going on. Well, I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of women that are, are also moms and are dealing with the stress of just being, living during this pandemic are also reporting higher levels of depression, anxiety. And I think it really does relate to the pressures and the stress that they have within the household. Uh, We know that gender roles still exist in Canada. So we know that women, for instance, are doing more of the laundry, uh, more of the daily meal prep. And men um, historically pick up those tasks that are not necessarily daily chores, like the repairs, uh, like the outdoor work. And so generally in a daily basis, women are really kind of feeling that burden of having to manage it all. And then it's the other kind of intangible stuff like the gift giving, the buying of presents, the organizing holidays, the maintaining schedules. And the pandemic has really exasperated uh, those those gender roles. So women are having to yeah, manage, is the daycare center open? They're homeschooling their children. All the while, um, also maintaining, uh, they're trying to maintain their careers. And um, the impact, obviously, we may haven't talked a lot about debt, but a lot of Canadian households are also carrying debt. So we have just an enormous amount of stress and pressure um, on Canadians and particular women are, I think, feeling the crunch more. The other thing to think about is um, the impact uh, we've, we're talking about, Nancy was talking about the impact we've had on the economy. And think about the type of work that women typically do. So back in 2015, StatsCan found that women tended to pick up or work in professions, which were the five C's. So it's catering, cashier, caring, cleaning, clerical, and Mm -hmm. those are high risk um, occupations. And for some of them, the return to work, as Nancy was highlighting, has actually not been the same. So they're dealing with reduced Mm -hmm. income and there's all of these dynamics happening. And it's not to say that the pandemic and the economic impacts are not also affecting men. It's just when women already had a disproportionate amount of pressure on their plate, what do we think happened after the pandemic set in and we all had to adjust our lives? And so, I I mean, certainly that's what I'm seeing in my practice and that's what I'm reading about as well. Um, Just, you know, just online and social media, it's the toll that this is all taking on, on Canadian women. And also too, when you, let's go back to the gender pay gap as well. So in a lot of families, it makes more sense for the woman to stay home and take care of all of this while the man carries on or the man carries on doing what, you know, working and doing what he needs to do. 
but there's still that that income leaving the family and how does the family deal with that so not only are women contributing to the household income being taken away, but now they're having more coming on them in terms of responsibilities within the home. So are you seeing, like, are you seeing a debt from a debt perspective, how that's impacting people in your practice? You know, one thing I've been finding lately in my practice, and it's, it's really quite curious, but I'm finding in households that women tend to be carrying higher levels of debt than their spouses. And it, it's not really quite clear because from an income standpoint, it, it's not as though from a lending perspective, they looked much more attractive to the lender. I've, I've actually not been able to put my finger on it, but I've, I definitely am coming across that much more than I really ever have before. Yeah. And I think too, I think what I'm seeing a lot is the anxiety that we talked about earlier that a lot of women are experiencing. Some of that is brought in, brought on by finances. Some of it is brought on by guilt that they shouldn't be feeling, but are feeling by the fact that maybe they aren't able to work or aren't working at the same level. And so that lack of financial support that they're used to providing to the family is causing a lot of anxiety. And they're also co- having trouble coping with making the day-to-day bill payments. And they're maybe seeing that more so because they are at home. So they are seeing the bills coming in and it is causing a level of anxiety that we haven't seen before. Financial stress has always been there. People come to us overwhelmed a lot of the time, but we're seeing even more anxiety now, I think, than ever before. Now, I know I just asked you each to talk about what you're seeing in your practice, but I'd like to talk about your parts of Canada because this is this is unique because we have you, Nancy, who is in Newfoundland, and then we have you, Jennifer, who is out in Vancouver. So those are two separate parts of the country. So are you seeing signs of the she session where you live and has there been an increase in women coming to see you for debt advice? Jennifer, let's start with you. I am seeing certainly an increase of uh, single parent households. So in my practice, it would absolutely, I mean, I don't have the statistics, but I can just say anecdotally, it is statistically much more common for me to have a single parent household that's run by a woman uh, that is not receiving any financial support from their ex-partner. They're really only getting the Canada benefit as as another uh, supplemental income amount to support the, the children and their household expenses. I'm seeing this much more and I sympathize greatly uh, with these clients that the pandemic is it it is so challenging for them because they are running their household they are the sole earner they have no other financial support and then they have their their children that they're also looking after and having to maintain all of the changes we've seen in this country so I, i am seeing more women come to me i think what has happened is the pandemic has sort of given that push to resolve the debt situation because that's just one more thing that they they don't have the headspace to manage anymore so we take mm-hmm. that pressure off and get find a solution for them so that they can put their energy into all these other things the other aspect i'm seeing is uh, women with elder care and they tend to be the ones that i actually had a client recently that literally had to quit her job to look mm-hmm. after her mother and she is being paid as part of that um, as part of the household planning but literally there was nobody else willing to step up and do this. And I'm seeing that aspect of it with COVID-19, the limited movements. A lot of my clients are reporting that um, they're seeing an impact that they're having to run around and support the elders in their family, in addition to, of course, absorbing all the other things in their own immediate household. What about you, Nancy? 
Yeah, I would agree with the, the things that Jennifer is saying. I think I'm seeing um, more women making the call. So not necessarily single parents, although we do have plenty of them, but we're seeing more calls coming in from women for initial appointments to see what solutions may be available. And I think that does go a little bit to what we were saying uh, before as well, where women are home, they're feeling the stress, they're feeling the anxiety. They're maybe um, have some more time because they are home with the kids to do some more research to see what solutions may be available. And, and they're saying, okay, I need to reach out and get some help. I need to get some support. The financial stress is just a little bit too much right now, especially if they're on reduced income because they're not able to work from home, which we're seeing a lot of that as well. And what do you expect to see in the months ahead? I think in the months ahead, we are going to see, I mean, we've been seeing those be predicted, I think, in the spring and summer that by the fall, we'd see a 30% increase in insolvency. And though when I say OSB, that's the office's, Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy. That hasn't materialized quite yet, but it's only it's a ticking time bomb, really, we think, because although insolvency is at an all-time low, 22-year low, that's not because the financial circumstance of Canadians has recovered. In fact, it's it's probably worse than it was pre-pandemic because of the, the sheer amount of layoffs and reduced hours that we've had. There's no doubt the Canadian government has stepped up and provided a lot of benefits to people who need it. But for many, the level of benefit is not replacing the income that they maybe had. So uh, I think what by the time we get through um, mid-late first quarter of 2021, in my opinion, we'll start seeing those numbers really increase. And do you see I, a difference in Vancouver? I would have to agree with what Nancy's saying that we've we've seen sort of steady filings. We haven't seen this avalanche, which naturally we would have expected in Canada because we carry record levels of debt and we know that Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck. So the impact of such a, a huge economic um, impact across this country, we obviously would have anticipated that we would see an increase in insolvency filings. To see that they've gone down, um, I, I mean, I'd love to know who would have predicted that. I don't think anybody <laughs> did. Yeah, so it's it really, um, I mean, it's, it's actually fascinating, really, when you step back and look at it. But, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, in enhanced uh, collection now uh, from creditors. I'm having a lot of individuals uh, talk to me about the stress that the collection calls and the collection letters are having on them. I'm just seeing in my practice, there's a, a big bigger sense of urgency right now. I'm meeting with people that say, I want to get this filed right away. So I, th I think stress is probably at an all-time high and it's only going to get worse. And uh, where we will probably see the influx of filings and Canadians actually seeking relief to deal with their debt would be in the new year. Uh, we're, we're already in November. You know, we may see an uptick in December, but it really, uh, a lot of folks feel that it's more likely that we're actually going to see that reckoning uh, come the new year. Traditionally, we, do, we don't normally see people um, filing in December because it's almost like head down, let's deal with Christmas and then carry on. So I, I would think that COVID would change that, but I, I, I don't see any of that happening. Do you, Nancy? Um, I think it's going to really depend on the level of debt people are currently carrying and what available credit they still have. So oftentimes people are fearful about losing their credit prior to Christmas because, of course, they want to provide the Christmas that their families are used to. Yep. They want to make sure that their child has the gifts under the tree that the kids in their class have under the tree and so on. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you can't fault them for wanting to make Not their kids all. happy. 
However, those same families may or may not, but may be in a position where they've had to access that available credit throughout the last number of months to put food on the table, to pay their light bill because they're on a reduced income. So they may not have the available credit even to get through Christmas and may need to file or get some support uh, from a licensed insolvency trustee to deal with that debt prior to that time. So obviously a woman's options will be different depending on her personal and financial circumstances. For example, is she part of a single or dual income household? Is she the major breadwinner? Because that's also a case. I know I mentioned earlier that, you know, traditionally the man is, but you know, this is still 2020. And while the gender gap is still there, there are still women out there who are, are making good money for themselves. Um, also, is she taking an extended leave um, from work to care for children? Uh, I know that, for example, maternity leave has been extended. You could take the, the one year or 18 months. So, you know, people who made that choice not knowing the pandemic was going to happen. So let's talk about a few of these situations and a few debt and money management strategies that maybe can help people in those situations. Jennifer? I find that a lot of individuals... Um, right now are really gravitating towards the consumer proposal process. So, you know, bankruptcy does have a stigma. Obviously, we're trying to correct that because bankruptcy can be um, the best option and a, and a great, really great tool for an individual to get a fresh start and really get relief of their debt. So it's not to say bankruptcy is not a good option for an individual, but I'm finding a lot of women that are working, they absolutely look towards the consumer proposal process uh, first, and um, they're, they're not filing as many bankruptcy filings, and they really are looking for a way to resolve their debt and pay back as much as they can to their creditors and avoid, um, you know, the impact that their credit rating is going to have if they proceed with the bankruptcy filing. And in terms of uh, tools, we have a lot of information on our website, uh, BDO's uh, website uh, concerning debt solutions. So we have online debt calculators, budgeting tools, and so certainly anybody I meet that's not ready to proceed with the filing, we do give them that information to say, you know, planning out um, the short-term budget, the long-term budget. And a lot of women are really, um, because as we said earlier, uh, the gender roles in the household, sometimes managing the finances also is sort of on their to-do list. And so they are really stepping up and putting a plan in place, uh, given this unprecedented circumstance that we're living in right now. What about households or couples who manage their finances independently? So there's individual checking accounts, savings account, loan obligations, credit cards, et cetera. Nancy, how, how would you suggest they manage the situation? You know, I think in these circumstances where they have had separate finances in the past and maybe now they're down to one income versus a two income household, it's a great opportunity to actually communicate together on how you're going to manage the family finances going forward. It's surprising how many couples don't talk about money and don't talk about finances and do have completely separate things. And they maybe have, you know, the husband pays these bills, the wife pays these bills, and, and they've been doing that all along. This may force that conversation. It's it's fine if you want to have two separate checking accounts and, and have bills that you're each responsible for. That doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about the family finances. So one, I guess, silver lining to this pandemic is that it may force those couples to actually sit down and take a harder look at their budget, really talk to each other about the family finances, set the short and long-term goals, and really think about, okay, what should we be cutting back on to make sure that we have enough money to pay what we need to pay, but also to set aside some money for an emergency fund. And are there strategies for people, women, um, and men, 
who want to repair the damage done um, to their income or their debt levels or savings goals due to what is happening right now. So in terms of uh, if the focus is around debt repayment, there are definitely strategies um, households can employ. So it would be, first of all, uh, making a list of the household debt, uh, make note of the interest rates, what is the minimum payment. Some folks will, there's two different strategies. Some folks will focus on the lower balances and there's this sense of, okay, we're going to get this one paid first and then we're going to tackle the higher balances. Other folks use the strategy that they go after the high interest debt first, really try to plow that down, ease up the cash flow as much as they can can and then focus on the ones that have the lower interest rate because of course the carrying costs are different. Uh, so that's those are two strategies that I see um, in my house or in the households um, across the country. And then some folks also will look towards doing uh, debt consolidation. So they will approach the bank about getting a term loan so that it has an end date uh, as opposed to mm-hmm. something that's revolving and the balance is just carried to, to when, when it's actually paid in full. They actually yeah. put a term on it and they resolve, um, there's a time frame around when the debt will be paid. Of course, there's interest associated with that, but in a lot of instances, when you have different interest rates on all these different accounts, you, you are getting a better result and you're paying less in interest when you work through a bank and do a consolidation loan. Obviously, lending and qualifying for that loan is a whole other podcast discussion, but certainly <laughs> those are two like tips that I would give individuals and households to look at if they're dealing with debt right yeah. now. And I would say as long as you're putting a plan in place and even talk to a professional to find out is the best plan for me, given my circumstances, because everyone's situation is different. So talk to friends and family and find out what's worked for them. But make sure you're looking at not taking that as gospel and looking at what's going to be right for your own personal situation. And Jen's right. Sometimes taking the lowest balance and paying it off first gives the person the motivation to keep going. Like they need that kind of motivation to say, "Okay, I've done this. Let's move on to the next one. Um, using high interest credit and paying that off first is always what we recommend because that's what's costing you the most money. But the important thing is put a plan in place that's going to work the best for you. Be careful with consolidation. It's a great opportunity, as Jen said, for you to be able to get one payment where everything's focused. But make sure you cancel and destroy those credit cards so that you don't end up then with your consolidation loan and then you've got this other available credit that can be tempting sometimes yes. to uh, to start using again. So since we're talking about you know managing debt, um, there is still in, and you know, and I, I, honestly, for me, I can't believe in 2020 that it's still taboo or there's a stigma attached and shame attached to people in debt, especially considering how open the media is about debt loads in Canada. If, if, if those are the statistics, then there's more people in debt than they're admitting to. So how with the, with these things, with those stigmas, And with what is going on, especially in households, for example, where spouses or partners manage finances separately, what kind of conversations should the couple have? How do you broach this? How do you start talking about it? And even not even just between spouses, but between family and and friends, because you could see if a friend or a family member is struggling, um, how, how do you talk to them about it and make it okay? Yeah, I think there's a there's a number of things depending on the situation and who it is you're talking to, Tara. But if I I always tell my clients, don't be afraid to talk to your family and friends because I can guarantee you there's someone in your circle that is experiencing the same thing as you are with regards to financial difficulty or maybe has already filed a consumer proposal, for example, or has in the past, um, because there's so many Canadians out there who find themselves in that situation. With friends, it 
can sometimes be easier because friends get together, they go out for dinner, they do all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say to your friends, you know what, guys, I'm really trying to make sure I set aside money for an emergency fund. I don't know if you guys are feeling the pinch, the pinch due to the pandemic, but can we get together and do a Zoom glass of wine? Or can we get together and do a little potluck rather than going out to eat or going out, out for drinks? Um, just so we can, I can manage my budget a little better. And oftentimes, people who you're talking to have that sense of relief of, oh my gosh, thanks, thank goodness that someone brought that up because I was feeling that too and was afraid to say. Jennifer, do you have any any suggestions? Oh, I, I just agree with wholeheartedly with what Nancy is saying. And I think um, the guilt and the shame that a lot of individuals feel around debt is pretty widespread and talking about it um, to your friends and family and really getting that support and understanding you're not alone is a big piece. I also recommend individuals do research, read online. There's tons of podcasts. There's tons of stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of free and in fact, there's more free information out there than ever before. And you will be inspired. (laughs) Read the stories about the people that paid off their debt in 12 months, 18 months. What did they do? You know, learn from other people that have had success with it and don't feel alone. You know, be be ambitious about you know I and and if you have to do an insolvency filing at the end of the day you tried you didn't just throw the towel in you implemented all these things that you could and sometimes with debt there's life events there's things totally outside your control and if you've done everything in your power and you still find you do need that consumer proposal you do need that bankruptcy you can go in knowing you know I learned so much from this and I have clients say to me oh, I'm never going to have this happen again and some of them will say to me this was actually one of the most rewarding experiences experiences of my life. It's really changed my life. And so a lot of times debt becomes an opportunity to transform your life. And so I, I really encourage individuals to, to look beyond the numbers and um, you're actually going to find that there's opportunity for you to grow personally and for you to you know grow in your relationships and you're going to come out the other side. And yeah, at the end of the day, you will be okay. And I love that you yeah, brought it's up. It's amazing just how um, oh, I didn't know I was going to say. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was going to say. I love how you brought up life changes because um, there is that myth that everybody who's having debt issues, it's because they mismanaged their money. And that a lot of the times is not even the case. So, what do you like if you two sit and speak to people every single day? So, if you could put a number on it, and we're just talking, you know, hypothetically, anecdotally, you know, if you could put a number on how many people walked into your office and it, they're in the situation they're in because they felt like, you know, playing the lotto 10 times a day and scratch cards and, you know, all those things that all that, that checklist of reasons we're told growing up, you're going to end up in debt compared to, you know, someone died or you got a divorce or, you know, you lost your job. What could you, could you give me a rough anecdotal idea of what you see? I would say the number of people who come through our doors purely on the mismanagement of money is so, so small, maybe less than 2%. Most often it is a life event. It's a marital breakdown or it's a job loss or an illness or having to take care of a family member with an illness or there's something that's happened in the person's life, the pandemic, for example, um, that that happens to them that gets them in that situation. It's very, very few people that I see in my practice that it's because they just completely went on a spending spree and, and mismanaged their finances. Oh, that's true. People will always say, 
you know what? I have this level of debt and I literally have nothing to show for it. You should come see my house. Uh, there, there is a sense of where did, how did this even happen? Where did this money go? I have nothing to show for this. And that's scary because we understand that so many Canadians are using credit to bridge the gap, to manage the fact that there's mm -hmm. a high cost of living, the life events of losing work and having sporadic employment of, I, I see a huge proportion of my clients are helping family. They are literally incurring debt to support family or their friends. And um, absolutely, this is not, it's pretty rare to have a situation where we're somebody just uh, was abusing credit or uh, trying to take advantage of the system. I mean, we just don't see it. So going back to some, one of you mentioned, you know, the government assistance. So let's go back to that for a second. How will the changes in the government assistant, in, assistance sorry, impact decisions women need to make about their finances and their debt load? You know, Tara, I think there, there is some good around the, the change in government assistance as well. And that is the SER payments that were going out, there was no tax that were coming out of those. So although many people who are, are taking advantage of that assistance needed every penny, there's also going to be a tax consequence to that once they go to file their taxes for 2020. So at least under the new EI program, although they may see a slightly lower uh, cash in their bank account every month, at least that tax is being contributed now. And that's going to take a little bit of that burden away from them. And we did see the benefit for uh, the baby bonus was higher. We had one-time payments of the GST credits, I can say in BC, there were programs in place with respect to rental subsidies. And uh, we, we did see on a provincial and federal level, there was a response uh, to help Canadians. What I can say, though, is that the biggest impact I'm finding or where there's a gap in the government funding are for businesses. So any of my clients that are sole proprietors or have corporations, um, it's it's been really tough because some of the programs... I mean, obviously, there has to be parameters around uh, the government um, support for businesses, but a lot of my clients really did not uh, necessarily hit the targets to, to, to get that funding. And of course, um, yes, they could pivot and uh, change aspects of their business, but let's be honest, for, for many Canadians, uh, this means the closure of, of the family businesses, of operations they've had for a very long time. And for many people, they don't know what else they're going to do. So I'm, I'm seeing that uh, more and more the, the government funding uh, may not have been as uh, impactful for uh, Canadians that run their own businesses. Well, and women, are, I can't remember the exact number, but there is a large group of women who are entrepreneurial. Um, you know, they're running home daycares that they had to close. And they have, you know, businesses like, I, I mean, it's no longer Avon. There is so many other, you know, you know, opportunities for women to be their own bosses now, or even baking. I know a lot of women are, are you know, taking baking and turning it into a business, uh, crafting all of these things that they're doing that because we can't be exchanging these things due to the pandemic, they're at a loss of income. So, you know, thank you for bringing that up because it's, it's impacting them greatly because they're, that is technically a small business. So mm -hmm. is there any advice you have for a small businesswoman um, who may be in this situation? how to supplement their income? Well, my advice is that, you know, we are all 
we've all been hit hard. Canada, well, the world, right? Let's be honest, but we're focusing on Canadians. So we're kind of all at the same place. So my advice is like, get creative. We shouldn't be afraid to start our own businesses. Like the slate is clean. And anything you thought that was in place in terms of, you know, I have to have an edge up on my competitors and I need to get market share. You know what? You don't, the competition is different now. So it's almost a better opportunity to start your own business and to get creative with it. And, you know, we also are going to be thinking through how do I recession proof my business? How do I pandemic proof my business? So I actually think it's going to be an exciting time. I think there's going to be a lot of Canadians that feel inspired that they get, they have that get up and go and they are just no holds barred. They're going to get out there and find a way to make money and start a business. So I think it's actually going to be an exciting time for Canadians and particularly women. Mask, mask making has become a huge entrepreneurial adventure. Absolutely. Really I mean, has. think through all the things we can do now. And so I think it's going to change the landscape of Canadian businesses. Is there any overall advice you would give to women as we manage this she session? Um, and do you have an outlook on, you know, or a prediction on how this is going to, you know, how it's going to turn around? Because there was a he session, they called it, uh, a few years ago during the last recession and you know there was a good turnaround so there is a turnaround on the horizon but what advice could you give to women to help get them through that nancy i think uh, i think tara what i would say is don't feel you have to shoulder this all yourself so reach out and, and talk to someone about it whether it's a family member a friend uh, a professional like a licensed insolvency trustee, just to talk through what options you have to deal with the financial stress that you may be feeling. It can be as simple sometimes as having another second set of eyes on your budget to say, well, have we looked at changing this or changing that? If you have looked all through and scrutinized your budget and you're still not, not sure where to go, you can get some advice on um, what your options really would be if you can't manage your debt payments or if all your available cash flow is going towards debt repayment and it's the minimum payment and you're not able to see beyond um, reducing your debt because you're only paying the minimum payment and you need to free up some of that cash for an emergency fund or because you know that you're going to be on reduced income for a period of time. It's really the, the first step is picking up the phone and reaching out and, and getting some advice on what's going to be the best situation for you. You don't need to shoulder the stress and the burden and, and having to try to figure things out on your own. Yeah, and I, my advice uh, to women is that, you know, we can't change the past. We can't focus on, you know, the feeling of guilt and we should have done this and I could have done this. And I think a lot of women also are more prone to sort of carrying um, that kind of burden and that negative self-talk. And I think for women now, we just have to say we're, we're in, this is you know, a precedent setting time for so many individuals. Most of us has never lived through anything mm -hmm. like this. So now's the time just to take stop, take it day by day and decide that you're going to tackle those stresses um, as best you can. And getting rid of debt or having a solution around your debt and your finances is one really important aspect of your life. I find for a lot of my clients, they physically mm -hmm. look different. Mm -hmm. Their their life changes. Things just start to fall into place once something is resolved. And so a lot of times, all these other things that really don't feel like they're going right, when you fix the debt piece, when you fix the finance piece, or at least get a plan in place for it, your energy is now there to focus on all these other things. And so it's just a matter of prioritizing it. So sometimes folks say, well, I have to, you know, I have to help 
you know, I have this other issue that I'm resolving first, but then I'm going to deal with the debt. Just get the information now, get a sense of the landscape, and then you can have a plan in place to resolve because there's so much going on in our lives right now. But if we, and certainly at BDO, if we can be a part of that solution, obviously um, it, it brings joy to us to be able to get um, Canadians back on track and get them in a place where they're better financially, mentally, you know, physically, all these things really matter. And it really They're all does. related, like right? It's all, you're, you couldn't be more right, Jen. It is all related. And oftentimes it improves not only your own physical and mental health, but the relationships that you have around you. You, you can be more engaged with what's going on around you with your family and friends because you relieve that stress. Talked to a women, woman just today and I said, you know, how, how are you doing? Because she was signing her documents that day. And she said, Nancy, I really can't thank you guys enough. I didn't know what a difference just talking to someone and coming up with, with a plan would make to my overall well-being. I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off my shoulders and I've got you guys to thank for that. So just reach out. Exactly. I, I think we, before we started recording, I was talking about the mental load and this goes back to the mental load. As women, we're often in our heads trying to figure everything out. And sometimes we just need to pick up the phone and call somebody and that somebody can be a licensed insolvency trustee to help, you know, work through how to come up with a solution to the problem that will relieve the stress and again, the mental load that you're carrying. Thank you so much, yeah. both of you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my guests, BDO License Insolvency Trustees Nancy Snedden and Jennifer McCracken for this fascinating discussion about the challenges women continue to face during this ongoing pandemic. For more financial wellness podcasts and videos, along with debt management resources, tools, and expert advice, visit our website, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. And remember, we are here to help you turn the page on debt.